church, as we move into a time of prayer this morning, let us go to the Gospel of John. There is a good word for our hearts there this day. If you would, let us say these words responsibly. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen and amen. Church, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, as we turn our hearts to you this morning, let us remember, let us embrace our own disobediences, O oh God. For we fall short, Lord, we fall short of your grace and of your glory. Lord, we sin and rebel against you. And for that, O oh God, in the name of Jesus Christ, forgive us. There's a lot that your word says about disobedience. And Lord, we claim it. We know it. We may sweep it under the carpet. We may, in fact, try to uh, process it like it doesn't even exist, but it's real, oh God. And in faith this morning, we give our disobedience unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, forgive us, purify, Lord, our hearts. Eternal and almighty God, to you is due all praise and thanksgiving. You are a gracious, loving God. We put our trust, Lord, in our own efforts oftentimes, and not, Lord, in your grace and truth. So we value, O God, what our culture offers, not the clear teachings of Scripture. So forgive us, O God, of our idolatry. Help us to live as your son's disciples, to the glory and honor of your name. And we ask this now through the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave us the Lord's Prayer, praying together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Church, if you would, uh, forgive my voice this morning. It's raspy. There's probably something in the air. Uh, also, uh, my kids have a habit of sneezing in my face, too. So forgive me. <clears throat> uh, it's just my voice, I promise. So bear with me, if you would. Uh, the Word of God still needs to be proclaimed. Praise be to his name. So what I'm going to do now is go to the word from the Old Testament. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 5 through 14. This is a wonderful, wonderful text. Hear now these words. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 
30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. For And as for Saul, he was still in Gilead, Gilgal, and all of the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offerings, that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him, and he might even greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded of you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So, church, uh, as you and I are are very, very aware, uh, the word of God says a lot, a lot about disobedience. And I want you to take a look at this listing of scriptures that specifically address disobedience. Take a look at this just for a moment. Over 50 verses in the Word of God speak about disobedience. And here's the thing that we all need to know and recognize and affirm, and that is any time that there is a relationship between two people, any time that there is a relationship between man and God, there is always potential for what? Disobedience. Disobedience. Disobedience, as a matter of fact, runs absolutely rampant then and now. Disobedience is flooded 
in our society. Let's just take a look just real quick. Let me go back to the book of Genesis just for a moment. Let me just highlight something for you here, okay? In the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, God created creation, and then he created man. It only took until chapter 3 in the Word of God, in the book of Genesis, for what to happen? Disobedience. Disobedience in that Adam and Eve were tempted, and it is the fall then of man. Man disobeyed God. Listen to this. Beyond that chapter, in chapter 4 in the book of Genesis, two brothers enter the story, right? Cain kills Abel. Again, a brother attacking another brother, a brother even perishing from that incident. Disobedience. Let me continue here. Moving on into chapter 6, get this, the wickedness and judgment of man in the book of Genesis. Okay, that led to disobedience to the point where God then floods the earth due to violence, due to wickedness, and due to disobedience. Church, my point is simply this. Disobedience is absolutely rampant in the Word of God and in our society today. And here's what I want to offer to you this morning. With disobedience, church, there is always, always, always a cost. Is there not? A cost to disobedience. So let me speak about that for a moment. The first cost to disobedience is separation. Remember that. Separation between God, separation between human beings. And deliberate, church, deliberate disobedience results in a broken fellowship then with the Almighty and with family and with friends, with partners. You see, there is a there is a result, there is a cost to disobedience. There's another cost that I want to speak of. Deliberate disobedience causes one individual, many individuals, who's ever involved into, pushes them into shipwreck. Okay, let me speak about that. The cost of disobedience also puts us in danger of being shipwrecked. If we disobey the Lord, church, he may permit, in fact, a disruption in our own lives so that we would then repent and turn from our disobedience in order to get right with God again. So, is there a cost to disobedience? Absolutely. Separation, church, and shipwreck. It's as real as the nose on our faces. Remember that about disobedience. Now, let me turn to the Word of God here. I want to go to verse 13. I want us to hear once again the very focal point of disobedience from Saul. Listen to this, verse 13. And Samuel, the priest, by the way, said to Saul, 
you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you to do. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and that will be David. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not, here it is, the disobedience, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Wow. Wow. So let me recap here about this disobedience. When Samuel's arrival to make the burnt offering was delayed, here's what Saul did. He got fearful, you see. He got anxious. His knees began to knock. Things were crumbling, church, and he gave in to he gave into his own fear. He gave into the fear of people and his very moment unraveling right before him. And Saul then felt compelled to go against the commandment and offer the burnt offering himself. And Samuel then calls him on it once he sees him. Why did you do this? What? Have you done? Let me quote here. Saul, church, had a choice to make, just like you and I, each and every day, in the home, in the workplace, in society, we have choices to make. Saul, church, had a choice to make. He could sacrifice, listen to this, he can sacrifice the truth to do what he thought was best to preserve and promote unity. Unity, though it is a good goal in the home, in the church, and in society, unity is a good thing, but it can never be made an end unto itself. To justify, church, not obeying God's instruction in other areas of life. Did you hear that? Let me continue. Saul, church, would have been much better off. He would have been much better off letting the people go, letting them flee out of fear while Saul stood up for what is truth. He should have stood up for what is truth. But instead, church, he gave in, did he not? He gave in to pressure. He gave in to his own angst. He gave in to his soldiers' fear and anxiety, and thereby resulting in a very deliberate and egregious act of disobedience. Now, let me turn to verse 11 and 12. Listen to this here. Very important. Samuel says this. What have you done? What have you done, Saul? 
Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come from within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and I offered a burnt offering. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is very important. When Samuel confronts Saul with this disobedience, is this not like human nature to say, hey, look, I had to do what I had to do. Human nature kicks in. Instead, Saul should have said, I repent. I repent. I should have obeyed the law of God. But instead, his human nature kicks in and he offers church excuses. He offers blame. He offers justification for the act that he did, the burnt offering. But it was totally against God's commandment. Therefore, it was a disobedience. So I thought of a story that I heard long ago, and it's from Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of the 20th century. So Charles Spurgeon grew up on a farm, and he was getting about uh, the teenage years, and he got tempted one day to take a cigarette and go smoke it behind the barn. Okay, so as Charles lights up, guess who shows up? His dad, his dad. His dad surprises Charles as he puts the, the smoke in his mouth and being the teenager and trying to change the subject as the cigarette is smoldering in his mouth. He says, hey, dad, I hear that the circus is in town. And the dad says, oh, is that right? The circus is in town. And Charles says, yeah, dad, can you take us to the circus? And the dad looks right at Charles, right in his face, right in his eyes. And he says, son, I'm not doing anything until you put down that smoldering disobedience. A smoldering disobedience. Church, how many of us in this very moment have a smoldering disobedience that we need to repent of? How many of us have a smoldering disobedience that we need to surrender to God? How many of us are so often like Saul when we're caught in the act of disobedience, instead of getting on our knees and repenting immediately, we let these disobediences, what? Consume us and control us or sweep them under the carpet or run away from them or act like they don't even exist. Church, what smoldering disobediences do you have in your own life. And the reason why I bring that up 
is because I want to challenge you to take those smoldering disobediences, and every one of us have them. Let's repent of them today. Let's bring them to the foot of the cross at Calvary and surrender them immediately. Because if you don't, church, all that those smoldering disobediences are, are going to do is control your thoughts and dictate your heart and corrupt your spirit. They're not going to make you more godlike, you see. They're going to move you, in fact, away from God, and that's what disobediences do. They give you a spirit of rebellion, in fact. So what smoldering disobediences do you need to own this day? Let me challenge you. Let me encourage you. Let me implore you this day. Confess them. Repent of them. Don't minimalize them. Don't try to spiritualize them. Don't put excuses around them or over them. Just simply repent of them and let them go. Because you see, church, the opposite of disobedience is what? Obedience. To obey God. And there's that great hymn, to trust and to obey, for there is no other way. Smoldering disobediences, church, just bring a believer down a path of destruction. So stop them now. Stop them in their tracks now and let them go and say, God, I give them to you, for I will trust and obey, for there's no other way. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, we seek you in all that we do. Lord, we must trust. We must, oh God, in faith, trust that you are very much a part and in our lives, in the details of our lives. But yes, Lord, we confess that we get tripped up, that we have smoldering disobediences that turn us away from you toward the darkness. Bring us through the power of your Holy Spirit back into the light, Lord, to let us see that repentance is not punishment, but in fact, it can set us free of the very things that turn us away from you, that leads us into a full and exuberant life in the name of the Savior. Guide us now, Lord, for we love you and we want to serve you always. In Jesus' name, amen.